Welcome to HEAL. On today's episode, shamanic medicine practitioner Jules Broadhead shares her journey to legitimize the practice of serving combo, a legal, non-psychedelic healing modality utilizing the secretions of frogs of the Amazon. You heard it here. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. All right, we're doing it. Finally, how many times we've been trying to schedule this for, I feel like a couple of months, but you had a lot going on in your life, Jules. I know. Oh my gosh. So we're finally here and I've got the magical, the beautiful, the powerful Jules and Broadhead is the last name you go by. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you are from peace, love combo is your website. And Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things we can talk about today. Like so many different options, but in particular, like, I mean, I, I honestly know a pinky fingers worth about the specific methodology of combo. And Mm -hmm. I want to hear about that. And I want to hear about how the heck did you end up as a combo practitioner? Cause it's not a common pathway. No, it's not. So how did I end up as a combo practitioner? Let's start with what about. is combo. Cause I think a lot of people are going to be like, what are these two ladies talking about? <laughs> so combo is a secretion that is off of the back of the bicolor phylomedusa frog. And it is the bicolor phylomedusa frog being an amphibian. We know that there are several components to amphibian skins and they're still researching researching it today. And just to be clear, when they actually collect the secretion, the, the frogs aren't harmed. It's not the intention, you know, coming from an indigenous practice through South America and French Guinea. It's not their intention to harm the frog in any way. It's actually something that came by way of an, they say, an ayahuasca vision several hundreds of years ago. And each tribe in the Amazon or throughout South America has their own belief system that they are the ones who discovered it first. So what I do know, and from studying and being out there in the Amazon is that it is a way of life. And when you when you look at the secretions on the frog, they gently collect it off of the back of the skin, off of the hind legs and you'll go and do it for like, first off, you might do it to just for superhuman strength. If you're going to like um, clarity, you might use it for, if you're tired, if, if there was a big journey that you needed to go on, if you're like hunting for big game. And oftentimes they use it if you're sick, like right away, if they're like not feeling well, you'll immediately go and do combo. So it's in every single, it's like an everyday practice. It's not like out of the norm. So for me, combo, you know, when I looked at combo scientifically, I looked at the components of it and there are over 200 peptides that are in combo. So, and I I list a lot of this on my website about combo and about the different types of peptides and, and what's, you know, there. So I generally tell people, go and look on my website, you know, to learn more about um, the specific compounds and like what it's made out of and yeah. Yeah, well, because a lot of what I get a lot of times is just people will go, what is combo? And I'm like, well, it's a secretion from the bicolor phylomedusa frog. It's often classified, not classified, but it's often the term venom is used. But Mm. from what I understand is it's not necessarily venom. It's a powerful combination of bioactive peptides. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they really, they really don't think in this day and age, where did peptides, the term scientifically peptides where was it discovered? Like, 
who thought of that or who named serotonin or who discovered it? And we're not very far off in science and in medical research, as you know, we're not very far off from these types of discoveries and scientific discoveries. Um, no, they've been pretty recent actually. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, generally speaking, a peptide is a small protein. It's like a portion mm-hmm. of a protein. And I mean, it really is a protein actually, but they just tend mm-hmm. to be little. And they're in our bodies. Yeah. And we <laughs> have them naturally. We have our own set and mm-hmm. each, you know, it definitely most life forms. I'm not quite all the way down, but I got to think there has to be protein in order to be a cell. I'm pretty sure yeah. my uh, cell biologists out there are laughing at me right now. Sarah, you forgot <laughs> your science, but yeah, it is. It's a, it's a natural part of life. And, and this is where all of our medicines came from. And this is, mm-hmm. it's unusual to us from our Western paradigm and our, I don't even like using the word Western because I mean, at what point in the globe, like where are we starting from? Right. right. But it's unusual everywhere yeah. except for South America. Yeah. But it's in my a very, you know, it, it sounds like from what you've shared, it's, it was just a part of their more or Every less regular run of the mill yeah. practices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, the difference, what the reason why, the reason why I even came to combo was I was dealing with like your typical, like, I don't want to say this is typical, but in my experience, I was dealing with depression. I was dealing with, I was on a pharmaceutical train, which I, you know, I know that my doctor is my primary care physician is an amazing person. And I had worked with him for many years. And I also was dealing with like emotional, emotional imbalances from life experiences choices, trauma, the way I was living, which was nothing about the way I was brought up. You know, it's just things that I I have a good family. I have a good doctor. I just was unable to find balance in my life for where I was at. And, and I don't know, you know, talking to you, you know, when we sat down and Todd coffee once and we were talking about gut health, I had never understood my gut health. And it's not because my mom and dad weren't good people and trying to do their very best. It was just like, how do you know the science on all of your six children plus your own and feeding everybody and the lifestyle? And we just, you know, I, we lived a good life. I've lived a good life. I just, my mom did the best she could. I was raised Mm -hmm. vegetarian. Most of my food, my parents were home urban farmers. We, a lot of our food came out of our backyard, most of it till Mm -hmm. I was five. And turns out my body was pretty sensitive to gluten and dairy. And I had a heavy gluten and dairy based diet as a vegetarian, but they were totally coming from doing the best that they could. Yeah. And, and I also, so like all these physical things that I was dealing with being on antidepressants off and on since I, I was about 35, 36 when I started working with combo and I had been on and off antidepressants. I'm, you know, carefully with a really great doctor who was like, you can't be on these for the rest of your life. We got to work nutrition, hydration, and sleep. And we've got to look at, you know, your your tools outside of just taking medication. So I had a great, I've had great, great doctors who worked with me. I worked with therapy. You know, I did a lot of therapy to talk about my anxiety. I would just out of the blue, think about, you know, like a test or being on time or getting somewhere. And I just had this whole world of anxiety that I lived in. And I hadn't really, really sat down for myself to look at like what my needs were. So I went on this big discovery, like this journey, like this kind of like eat, love, pray journey to really understand what I was dealing with for myself. And combo was part of that process. I desired to get off of antidepressants 
And I, I truly believe antidepressants are, are, are personal for people. In the past, I have kind of been like, no, no. And, and now with like growing and working with more people and understanding health and wellness even more, I've since changed my opinion. And I believe that that's a very personal decision for people that comes up from our four bodies, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual platforms that we grow and develop. And we learn as we get more connected to our body. We get more clear. And then as we develop different types of practices between meditation, yoga, you know, service work, getting connected to like, like what you do, farming, you know, growing contribution, being able to take care of other people. Yeah. There's all sorts of different ways it can wake up. Yeah. So, you know, I also taking like studying, like working with Landmark Worldwide, working as a neuro-linguistic practitioner, learning more about meditation, understanding the differences of how I receive information on a sensory highway. <laughs> Joe Dispenza does a lot of that work too. Yeah. His his whole world of specific scientific meditation and how we can actually update. And we're learning so much about the brain and mm-hmm. how much of our life experiences come from the way mm-hmm. our brain perceives life coming exactly. at us. And anything yeah. that can healthfully help us open up new pathways gives us potential access to more joy, more happiness, more empowerment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, so, you know, at the time I was like in a state of crisis mode, going to my doctor asking for help. And so of course, you know, working with my amazing family care practitioner and my therapist, and I was, you know, I need support. And so they did what any doctor therapist would do at the, or psychiatrist would do at the time. Cause my psychiatrist was prescribing. They put me on some different, I went on a train of antidepressants for about 20 years and I would be on and off and they would, you know, scale me down and I would work on my nutrition. And then I would, you know, go to yoga or I would, and became a Bikram yoga teacher, traveled all over the U S teaching that learning meditation, you know, they encouraged me to do all these additional things as part of being a partnership in my health and wellness and being my partner versus just being a primary care physician. I, I was fortunate enough to have a doctor who explained to me, like, you're your primary care physician and I'm your partner and you tell me what's going on in your life. And then together we make choices and you commit to doing your part. And I was like, Oh, you mean I take care of myself. And you know, but I was just in this place with a lot of choices in my life and just different things that were kind of coming at me and that survival mindset and depression set in very deeply. And I wanted, and and there was a point where I was like, I I really want, I want to be free of this. And Mm -hmm. so again, not to, to post pass any judgment on anybody on an antidepressant, because I've since realized that that's like, there's, that's a very personal choice and, you know, find a great doctor that you can work with who really can support you on a holistic full level. Yeah. And so getting off of that. And then I was, I was dealing with, I was diagnosed with ADHD and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Cause it, I, you know, my brain just, <laughs> and then, uh, so I was on Adderall for a while and I thought, okay, I, I don't want to be taking a pill for the rest of my life. And, and then, you know, some anxiety set in and then it was benzodiazepines. And so I was looking at all the medications on a counter one day and just looking at my life. And I was like, this doesn't work and I've got to find something. And so I originally, before combo came into play, I started working with psychedelics 
Mm-hmm. And I went to a sort of like alternative provider in Utah who was working through MAPS Association and was like, we, he's like, you're suffering from trauma. You've had these experiences in your life and you haven't been able to talk about it. You don't know how to like heal from it. And so you completely stuff it down and stuff it down. And then you try to go live a normal life and you have these triggers And he explained that, you know, we need to go and do the work around it. So I found myself getting off of the antidepressants originally so that I could go work with psilocybin. And in the journey with psilocybin, I was able to really look at, well, first of all, it was the most amazing experience that I ever had truly. And it kind of unlocked, it showed me from a third party perspective, the trauma and that, that didn't happen to me, or it happened to me, but it's not continuously happening. Mm. And then I was able to really look at that situation and go, oh, so my body continues to experience this as a trigger over and over. And I actually, it happened over here, but it's not continuously happening over here. So when I was able to kind of, and did not to get too far into that, I did work with psilocybin and immediately I knew I was, I found myself in Colombia, like within a matter of a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I woke up out of my first psilocybin journey was like frogs everywhere. And I had was like, what is this with frogs? I've always been attracted to amphibians in biology in school. And my mom's, you know, was a biology teacher and I'd lay all the frogs out for just, you know, for the dissection. Yeah. And I always understood it. It always made sense to me, like the biology of it. And, but I wasn't, it wasn't my you know, like I didn't, I didn't sound like I had frog totems everywhere and work. Right. And then here they are showing up in a major way. Psychedelic journey in I and I deep dove, I was probably three to five grams in a a 10 hour period. Yeah. And I microdosed as well before I went. So I went, I don't know how it, you know, your body weight matters with, with, yeah. And metabolism. And there's yeah. a couple other factors too. Yeah. For sure. And not really to get into that, but I know it was about at a five gram space and I was eight hours and there was frogs everywhere. <laughs> it was everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. I gotta know. And then it came to me when I woke up, <clears throat> I told, <clears throat> I told the facilitator, I said, you know, like I understood the trauma. I saw all of what I was dealing with at that point. And now I've been able to reconcile that it's not still happening. And I've been able to, I've been able to complete it. And I said, but there are frogs everywhere. And now I'm freaked out. And then I went home and I was living in South Jordan and yeah. And the secondary water pipe, it broke. And so I had second, we had turned the water on and it's like the first spring and the secondary water is going everywhere. And then all of a sudden I'm walking out in the middle of the night and I could hear this. Rrr, 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 rrr. And I'm like, what is that noise? I woke up at like two in the morning and I went out on my lawn and there were frogs all over my lawn. And in I'm Utah, like, which this isn't exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, right yeah. now I'm in New York and my parents have a pond and you can hear the frogs every night, but that's like frogs to be expected. Me. This is not that yeah. common. Yeah. No, it's not. And so I was like, my son ran out and he's like, he's like, I can hear the frogs. And he came running out too. And I was like, where, I mean, they were everywhere. Like, and it was interesting. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I know this is silly and not everybody would be like, yeah, that just happened. Yeah, it did. But I also feel like what you put out there in the universe is actually 
is actually coming back at you. And so I felt like it was a sign. So I talked to this, you know, provider and he's like, I'm going to Columbia. Um, I'm going to be working in a clinic with ayahuasca. And he's like, we're leaving in a few weeks. And I was like, I'm going. Yeah. And I went and we were there for a couple of weeks and I, I did 10 ayahuasca journeys. Yeah. And in those journeys, it got very clear to me that the frog is in my world. And I was just like, this is so weird. And again, it's like, am I just in a psychedelic journey? Is this just what I'm seeing? Right. And I had such a profound experience at this clinic in Columbia that I just, I Googled online and I was like, you know, frogs, frogs. And I heard about frog venom while I was there and I'd heard about combo. And I, one person came up online and this man was in LA and, and the website looked really good and I was like I'm gonna call him and so I called him when I was in Columbia and I changed my flight to LA so I went from Columbia to LA and I just called my husband at the time and I was like you know there this isn't Airbnb wasn't very big BBRLs weren't very big so I was like we're gonna get a room at the Marriott in Burbank they have like extended stay bring the kids I'm gonna meet you there and I'm going to do this venom frog venom thing in Topanga Canyon. And if you know what it's like to drive on the 101 in, from LA, from Burbank into Topanga Canyon, it's crazy. Yeah. So I took the journey. I was there. I did several treatments. The first treatment I had, I experienced, it's on my website, What a, a little bit of it. I put like what I feel comfortable sharing and what's appropriate to share to the general public, which I talked to my clients a little bit more about, which is, it was a profound experience. It was life altering. And I, for, you know, I was able to get off of, in the course of like six months, I was able to get off the antidepressants, clear trauma, find, there was a lot of connection to my breath and my meditation became more clear. My relationships became more harmonious. And there was a lot of integration that was necessary to take place because I had gone so deep into the psyche. But then combo was a way that I felt that combo helped me integrate further into my body. And after my first combo experience, I was, I knew when I woke up, I, I was out for like two hours after Yeah, I was really in a deep sleep. And I had never had deep sleep like that before. You know, I took a lot of melatonin. Sometimes I would take an Ambien. I would like sleep was difficult for me and my sleep cycles were off. So what combo did immediately for me was put me into a deep rested state. And I woke up the clearest I've ever felt in my life. And, you know, with a deep knowing that I don't know how this works, but I need to, I need to bring this to Utah. And this, this, I need to like, this is like, I need to be a voice for this. This makes sense. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to serve combo. And this is my purpose and passion for the rest of my life. I was like, I need to, I need to support this work on some level. Yeah. And so I told the facilitator, like, how do we get this to Utah? How do I work with it? With no idea thinking that I would facilitate right at this point, over 3000 people, no idea I'd be teaching on it. No idea of any of that. But I just knew I was like, I can't keep coming out here. peeing this (laughs) We need another option. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like the only person besides one other woman that was listed in New York. And that woman actually lived in Costa Rica. She was bicoastal. So she lived in New York and Costa Rica. Yeah. So I was like, this, no, Utah needs this. Like, so when, when was needing- this? I'm just curious in the timeline. Do you remember what year it was? It was 2014. Okay. 
Yeah. So, and then a couple of things, cause I can imagine people's brains are sort of, I want to make sure people can still stay in the conversation and listen. Yeah. Cause for some, <laughs> as soon as they hear psychedelic, they're like, ah, it's illegal. I'm out of this conversation, yeah, but yeah. combo a I did it in a legal way and combo is legal and combo yes. is not a psychedelic. It's no. in that same world of medicine. You'll often have people who are learning about psychedelics or, or shamans that will utilize psychedelic medicine mm -hmm. who also practice combo, but it's not, mm -hmm. it's not the same thing. And so I just want to clarify, you know, combo is actually something that, that is legal and you can get access to, I mean, easily, not easily. It's like saying you can get access to naturopathic doctors easily. There's 6,000 really. naturopathic doctors and there's 1.2 million physicians. Yeah. So, you know, there's that, but it's, it's, a different class currently and it's an accessible mm -hmm. natural medicine in the United States at this point. Yeah. And one thing I'm really careful and you can say medicine, whereas I mm -hmm. say secretions because I okay, can't, good. I'm not a doctor and I can't make no, that's any really medical good. claims. And I also, my background, which, you know, why I, why this worked so well for me was and I talk about this again, you know, on my website, if on the first page, you just kind of scroll down, but my, my family has owned and operated a wellness center and a wellness facility for over 47 years. And so I, at a very young age was exposed to like really cutting edge rehabilitation, therapeutic processes, different types of alternative doctors. My father is very progressive in terms of owning and operating the sports mall here in Utah and also his partner. And we, they've owned day spas and wellness facilities. And so my father from a very young age, you know, exposed me to hypnotherapy and meditation and yoga and different things. Now it wasn't like a predominant practice, but it was their business. And it was a dream of my father's to create a place for families to go and have wellness behaviors and healthy behaviors for connection and community because he saw a lack of that. And my father mm. being such a, a driver and a, a bold stand for family and my mother as well. My mother is truly, truly committed to that. And so they wanted a place, a community place. And it's like a little bit different from YMCA. They wanted specialty programs. I mean, the Utah Jazz used to play practice in their facilities before the Salt Palace was built. Lots of professional athletes they have all kinds of pro tours that come through and amazing experts that are still employed to this day that have had a whole, their entire, almost their entire lives from, you know, five generations deep now at the sports mall. So I know, I know so many people that are like along, you know, holistic and traditional and they yep. partner well. And that was my background and experience. So I don't, I do need to, you know, it is my filter and opinion that not just anybody can just like serve combo and just really yeah. understand it at this level it just happened to be that whereas you can understand it at a different level than me with your background you know mm -hmm. so I I'm very careful about making any any claims that's great but I also do know that I teach people to speak about their experience about what was life like before combo what what brought you to combo and what is life like now yeah. and if you can speak from those spaces you can basically speak as your own personal expert, if you're managing your own health and well-being, you've got partnership with your physicians, you can speak from your own experiences as to why you chose it. And so I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of practitioners now and thousands of people. So I speak from why people 
choose to work with it and what their experience was. And that's where I choose to land in that space. And combo is not a psychedelic, psychotropic, or disassociative. And usually why people come to combo is to actually help them clear their bodies. It's a deep cleanse. And the peptides, there's all the science on that. You can read about it. There are people who qualify and there are people who contraindicate. And so it's not necessarily for everybody, but for those who, you know, meet those qualifications, you can use it in so many different ways safely. And it is used, you know, indigenous, they work with psychedelics, indigenous tribes, they understand medicines and plants differently. They understand connections with, with the earth and with the the planets and the galactal spaces. And, you know, they understand they look at the sun, they look at the moon, they look at the stars, they look at the seasons, they look at nature. They're very dialed in a different way than we are here in the concrete jungle. So, you know, I appreciate you clarifying that because that's a big question I get a lot. And I, so where I land in my work is I let people, I have enough information on my website to keep people busy for a really long time. And I've, I've chosen to kind of work in the hell yes, you know, that I'm not really having to do a lot of education at this point. But when I first started in 2014, I was really having to like lay the foundation in Utah. And some people kind of were like, what is this witchy practice? This jungle thing. It was very, it was a hump to get over it. It, you know, and now today there's enough people that are working with it and I've held it down long enough in Utah (laughs) that there is, you know, a collective that people, there is a listening for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Say, I, we just want to, I want to know what does it mean to work with the hell yes? Well, for me, a hell yes is somebody who really knows why their, their purpose, why they're coming, like, what is your life like? And what do you see possible? And with a deep, strong intention, I know body, mind, and spirit from working in the ontological spaces, the neural linguistic um, spaces, and then also with meditation. I'm a transcendental meditation practitioner. I was a Vipassana practitioner for a decade. So, and I do study a lot of Joe Dispenza. A hell yes is like, it's running through you like a current. And you, you are in a different space than if a hell yes is like, when can I get your next appointment? And this is what I'm coming to come before. And here is my background. And, I'm and there's not clear. a lot of, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they trust, they trust. Like I, I, it's not that I wouldn't invest because I do. And I, I definitely educate a lot about combo, but there's a, there's a knowing and it, it, I can keep, and this is true. This is the truth. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not, I can't do this for free. It's not possible. It does cost money to get combo secretions here. And it is a very, it is, it can be very expensive. And so I try to work on a sliding scale and, and keep, you know, do community work as well. Like a dentist who goes to Dominican Republic to do the community work. I try to keep a community pricing. I try to do my best. If yeah. somebody needs it, I'm not going to deny them. If it if they meet the qualifications, I yeah. do my best to kind of feel around that. But to keep it in Utah, there is a price point that is fair. And I'm not living some million dollar lifestyle. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm a, I'm a hippie, you know, mm-hmm. I, am, I, am. I drive my Subaru, you know, keep things, keep life yeah. simple. But my goal is just to keep it in the community and to keep it flowing. So, you know, the, the price point of it does matter that people value it, that someone's not like wanting this bargaining. Well, that's a big, that's a big conversation in a, in a lot of aspects of healing and, and 
I mean, look, the first thing I'm going to say is I do not have the answer. Like, but I know I that either. it's, it's a big inquiry that to, to continually be in and ultimately each practitioner has to find their own place of where they're standing, but also within the community. And I mean, I grapple with this as well of, I think somewhere and it probably, I don't know, I'm make, I'm going to start, this is occasionally you guys know who listen to my podcast, I riff about things that I do not have a background of education. So I'm going to just say, this is yeah. the world according to Dr. Sarah Marshall. This yes, is her opinion. I'm on the same. I'm I imagine same that some of this comes out of a lot of these kinds of you know, when I look at my practice as a medical intuitive and doing energy work with people and healing in that genre, which I actually stand that I don't do the healing they do. I just exactly. allow the reflections, open up the conversations for the energy to move in their body if that's what their body wants to do. And if it doesn't, it just won't do it. But that some of that history, I'm guessing, came from that a lot of the people that were these healers that were facilitated were also our spiritual leaders in our communities when we were tribal. And so there's this conversation of like, you can't put a price on spirituality, which I completely agree with they at agree. a certain degree. And then there's this other space we live in. I know even artists deal with this where it's like, mm -hmm. how do I decide how much my painting is worth? But if I never ask for money for my artwork, I don't get to live and keep being an artist and that balance. And I haven't yet fully spiritually owned for myself, the highest conversation, but where I, where I find reconciliation is there is an energy exchange and we could even, exactly. and I'd like to talk about today, what's that energy exchange for the indigenous tribes that have been holding this information. Mm -hmm. They've been the ones that are the keeper of the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, the graciousness that they've opened up some of these practices to even be accessible to us of other mm -hmm. cultures. And I, I think it's really important for us to hold a sacred the roots of these practices and to actually honor that. And then I sometimes wonder, can we, can we honor it? Do we just bastardize yeah. it? Is it become commercialized? Where is that it's space to headed sit with that it? way? Actually, it is headed that way with Kumbo. It's been a concern for me and to speak to value and going back to who's my client. And I, I actually mentor people in Kumbo for one year and it's a very reasonable cost. It, and to get back to value, I've played around with this. I have people who will pay for a two week combo training course. And in, it is, I'm, I, I like, oh my gosh, they'll pay for two weeks of what I charge for one whole year of like one-on-one -on -one private mentoring. And like with I, other I practitioners. Give, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, so they'll go to these trainings with 20 people, 30 people for two weeks, and they're going to get the world of combo and go serve after serve the general public oh, with maybe not even any sort of background like I've had yeah or and maybe they might add it to their massage practice but that's one where I can say or they may be a chiropractor yeah. I've got several chiropractors and there's like holistic doctors like naturopaths a lot of people bring this into their practice but I I mentor for one year because there's a so much you there's so much you're missing when you do these group trainings and I paid I've paid a hundred thousand dollars to do what I do yeah and I haven't I, I'm still training and educating me, myself last year. And I do have support. I get, I, you know, I was married at the time. My ex-husband really helped me through the process. He found value in it. He supported me to bring combo to Utah. We spent every penny we had, to be honest, to, to send me around and do all of this. And so he is such a saint. He's one of my dearest friends. Yeah. You know, I don't do this alone. And there are times when, you know, it's like, I, 
yeah, I, the hell yes in my client and who is my client is somebody that actually looks at the work and they can see like, whoa, you went here, you lived with this tribe, you learned in the Amazon, you studied it, you went and took multiple avenues, you went to a couple of different countries, you've worked with three or four, I've worked with four, three tribes, and the fourth is people of a tribe, um, which is a whole nother conversation. But yeah, it's going to ayahuasca clinics, continuing to educate myself on how to be a better listener, and how to listen to internal states. You know, I, you don't, you don't just like, understand boundaries right I mean I had to learn boundaries with people and then how do I create a practice from the ground up how do I schedule people how do I market it how do I have you know intakes or applications how do I have how do I protect the work with disclosures like creating the content on a website this is just I mean it's like chasing your tail with the the new marketing and this and that and what people expect so The hell yes client client for me is someone who really comes in very committed. They understand that I'm not, I it's, I'm not the one carrying the full responsibility. They're my partner and they're going to do anything I ask them to do to show up in a, in a way with integrity and to be ready and prepared. And they're almost hunting me down. Like Mm -hmm. they're blowing up my email. They're blowing up my Instagram. They're blowing up my Facebook. They're blowing up my text phone. They're calling me. They're like, where's my appointment? Where's my appointment? And those are, it's kind of like the person who's the most assertive with knowing their contract, knowing that they meet the qualifications. So they've done the research They're They, they're not, you know, really going into this. Can you they're give empowered me and they're coming on? from self? Yeah. Uh, they're very aware. Yeah. Their own awareness. And, but and, you are, know, go ahead. They are dealing with constraints. Of, and I often find people, it's so interesting. And you could probably speak to this more is everything I've ever gone through, like, all of the pharmaceuticals and working with all my amazing doctors, like all the, and all of the meditation and the gurus that I've worked with through yoga and this and all the experiences and stress and traumas and, and, you know, hard things I've had to deal with in my life have fully, fully prepared me. I would never take any of them back at this point because they fully prepared me to stand in this, to be in this position And so I'm so grateful for all of the trials and tribulations that I've dealt with so that I could be here today because it makes me more compassionate and kind. And I tend to find people that have dealt, I'm like, I dealt with this 10 years ago. And that's, I do think that that's part of, you know, two things about that. One is, is that our greatest pain is our greatest gift, Mm -hmm. you know, where Mm -hmm. we really, when we've healed it, when we've transformed it, when we can help lead people through that. I mean, I, I look at my practice over the last 12 years and I'm like, you know, the, the people that get called to me, there's a big match for stuff that I've worked Mm -hmm. through. And it's like, we somehow get that energetic resonance. And, you know, similarly to the hell, yes, I kind of look at it in that space of when, you know, I call it the call or the knock, Mm -hmm. but it's loud. And it's like, I've had things like making this podcast was a call. It was a knock for me. And I avoided it for five years. I tried really hard to not yeah. produce this podcast. We and I was like, <laughs> people around me were like, you have a podcast, right? And I was like, no, but people keep saying, that. and it's interesting. Cause like every once in a while, somebody says, you know, when are you going to write a book? I've heard that, but, but people would literally think I had a podcast and I didn't have one. And it was like in the ether around me, it was this call, this knock, this, this just literally like a pull towards something 
that I finally, and when I did do it, I was like, it was like giving birth. It was like, I don't even know if this kid's going to end up, you know, being the next president of the United States, or if this kid's going to end up (laughs) on the streets, you know, like, like, I don't know what this is going to turn into, but it's, it's been pretty magical. And so it's like that when we're called into, and that's, that's a much bigger conversation for anybody on their healing journey is when we are truly committed to healing and it's this, that is not a judgment statement because there are, I've got stuff in my life still hanging around that clearly I complain about. I say, I want to do something about it, but I can watch myself. And I'm like, but when I do get crystal clear, like I'm handling this, it is the, when the student is ready, the teacher will show up. The universe provides me these perfect people. And I mean, I had a really similar experience with my knock and my call to psychedelics, which I had been an adamant no for a very long time. And I judged other people to be totally honest. And I was like, Mm -hmm. y'all aren't doing healing work. You're just a bunch of hippies with an excuse to go get high in the woods. You know, like I, I'd heard of ayahuasca in medical school and I literally was quite judgmental about that community Mm -hmm. of people. And it was a knock that came to me at an eight day silent meditation retreat under Buddhist heading. And I had set my intention for that retreat. Like whenever I do any sort of course or, or practice, or I'm going to, you know, go into a spiritual space like that, I set my intention. What is it I'm actually wanting to look at? Mm -hmm. And my intention for that retreat specifically was pretty big. It was what's between me and love. What is it that has me not fully allowing love into my life? Like I'd had a really, so interesting, right? I'd had a really big, um, rough breakup recently and I had Mm -hmm. been dealing with like, okay, nothing against the man. The man I was in relationship with is an extraordinary human. He and I together in a relationship, not extraordinary, did not go well. Our energies did not come together in a very positive way. And so the relationship itself- didn't align. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, and so there was this big, like, and you know, at that point I've got a rock in practice. I'm super educated. I'm a very successful person. I consider myself this like pretty, this was, this wasn't that long ago. It was a few years ago. And so I, it rocked me. I went, what the hell am I missing in myself that this is an experience I still called forward that I walked headlong into this relationship that so didn't serve. Now I do actually know it did serve me. It served me in showing me the shadow side. It served me in showing me what else there was for me to heal, but it was very uncomfortable. And so I came out of that relationship. And the first, one of the first things I did was this meditation retreat. And that was the question I asked. So then this funny thing happened where, so I've since stopped reading books at meditation retreats, but at the time I still would read when I was at the retreat I've discovered that's not fully being in silence, but at the time I was like, oh, I'm going to go into silence (laughs) and I'm going to read this book. And I really wanted to read a book and I didn't know what book I wanted to read. I was just like, I don't know. And I, God, I think I might've told the story somewhat on another podcast, but I don't think I told it this way was I went looking for a book and I couldn't find one. And literally Amazon kept telling me to read Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, which is the new book oh, that he wrote on psychedelics. Book. Yeah. Amazing. And I literally was like, I hit the button at the top, like, no, don't show me this. I know I'm not going to read that book. No. And it showed up again. 
and it showed up again. And then I was on audible and it showed up again. Like, I mean, whoever's algorithms were written, they knew. And so finally I was like, okay, the universe clearly wants me to read this damn book, but I was uninterested in psychedelics. Now the good news was Michael Pollan's been one of my heroes for a long time. So I actually think it mattered that he was the author that wrote the book. I mean, he wrote Omnivore's Dilemma and In Defense of Food and Botany Botany of Desire, all books that I had devoured in medical school as I learned Mm -hmm. nutrition. So here I am at this silent meditation retreat and I read a book on psychedelics and literally I walk out of the retreat. I haven't talked in eight days. And one of the first things out of my mouth is I think I have to study psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And it just started there, you know, yeah. and that was this knock, this hell yes, that I didn't yet know was in me. And then I've been on the journey and like, you know, what really matters to me now is to look at as a clinician, what can I do to support the possible mm-hmm. legality of like MDMA and the MAPS program and psilocybin, which is mm-hmm. coming down the tube and we're not there yet. You know, it's been decriminalized in certain cities, but there's yeah. like, where can we actually create the opportunity like we have for medical and now recreational marijuana and CBD and THC and the difference that that's made in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And we have these medicines that the earth has given us or secretions or guiding animals or however we want to, you know, language it. And, you know, part of me gets pissed that you and I have to sit here and censor how we would talk about this because of the legality. And it's not, I want people to be safe. My bottom line is I do think safety matters. I think education is important up to the utmost, but then there's part of me that's like frustrated where as practitioners, those of us that are, are pushing these cutting edges into the next realm of what's possible to heal humanity. And we got to dance around things because it's interesting, right? Yeah. So when and I want to be clear with like anybody listening you know I respect you know I have a deep regard for traditional healthcare. I'm yeah conventional medicine conventional medicine yeah I feel like people are like our system is broken I don't I don't agree with that I think that we have put too much of the responsibility on doctors Mm. and we look to doctors to solve things when they're not with us every single day. And if we took responsibility and how we lived our lives, then we wouldn't be running doctors into the ground that the kind of, the kind of study that they have to do to like master the body to even begin working. They then have to start working with people. And then it's yeah. a years and years and years for them to study in the clinical trials and clinical trials. And yeah. all that. So I don't, I, I mean, it's frustrating for people to say our medical system is broken. No, as a planet and as individuals, as humans, wh- what have we done in terms of nutrition, hydration, and sleep? What are we doing to advance our own knowledge? We expect it to come from one place, but you're your own primary care physician. It's you're really good talking about, you know, and And so I look to people, you know, like you and a lot of the coaches and the mentors that I've worked with people in meditation that I've studied with all of these experiences. One of the things that keeps coming back to me and you talking about it is the love and the intention of Mm. love. And I think one of the things that was lacking in my life was an understanding of, of being able to say no and understanding that I could have personal boundaries that were okay. And it was okay to say no to certain things and that I wasn't disappointing other people or I wasn't, you know, that I am a good person that I don't, I didn't have to live up to this good girl standard, not that my parents put that on me. It was just an experience that happened for me. 
and that I could say no and be empowered and that I'm not a bitchy woman because I talk, I have a lot of opinions and I'm strong in those opinions. And, you know, I'm just, all of these practices, combo, psychedelics, you know, meditation, yoga, breath work, nature therapy, all of these, all of these are just bringing back to a level of accountability and which is what combo teaches, which is what psychedelics can introduce Big time. Yeah. You are a creator. You are, you are a divine being. You are an intelligence, you're a frequency. You have thoughts that are like Joe Dispenza says this, and it's in so many podcasts. He just, I'm so, he's probably sick of saying it, but his message is you have your thoughts are the vocabulary of your brain and your emotions are your, are the vocabulary of your, of your body. you and together they create a state of being. You have this, this mind brain function, and then you have your body and and psychedelics and combo actually, they actually bring you present to that. And yeah. the indigenous, going back to how indigenous um, tribes are supported, I am very, very careful not to, again, I'm going back to when is a client a client? What the hell yes? I do not ask the indigenous tribe members that I work with or chiefs of tribes or indigenous people for discounts. I look at, I, you know, going and actually learning about combo directly with the frog living with a tribe, living in a hut, spending over a month with them, studying their ways, not knowing their language, hardly any interpret interpreter. I got lucky a woman came and she did, she was able to interpret, but my experiences were really raw. And I, I dropped myself into an experience that was so uncomfortable, so dangerous for a Westerner to be there, or, you know, me coming from the United States to the Amazon, I was bringing germs. I was bringing, mm. you know, the concrete jungle, fuck, my, sorry, mindset. Yes. And then there's this, like, there's this, you know, nature. And I dropped myself into nature and I learned about what it is to be connected to my purpose and passion. So now I'm clear on who my client is and why I'm clear on that because I have a responsibility to, you know, forward combo and to keep it sustainable and work with tribes and, and give back. So I never ask for discounts. I'm always looking for ways I can contribute to the tribes. I've been members of organizations that actually contribute massive, mass amounts of money yearly to the tribes. Also understanding that the concrete jungle does influence the Amazon and knowing that just me being there, it's going to alter their things. reality. Yeah. yeah. Peter Gorman is the only book that I know of. It's Sapo. He wrote, and he talks about how he altered a whole um, migration of a tribe throughout in Peru, the Matses, and he, his human scent was tracked by a jaguar. And for two years, this jaguar, pack of jaguars was tracking him as he was in, in the, in, in the Amazon, um, in Peru and working with people, the Matse tribe with inside of the tribe and they're nomadic. So they move, you know, from place to place, but this jaguar was able to track him for like two years. And then even him just being in there influencing rubber trappers, loggers, yeah. you know, introducing sweet bananas. And all of a sudden now they're not hunter gathering, they're planting within a couple of years, how those outside influences altered tribal ways, you know, and the Mates have a yeah. tremendous amount of knowledge on combo and on like alternative therapies and plant modalities and whatnot. So getting back to all of that and tying it all in with you, with love and your intention, with me getting on pharmaceuticals, this was all so very spiritual. I can't even really explain it in in like rough layman's terms for people. It was just a knowing. And when people come to me, I can sense it. It's in their yeah. voice. It's in yeah. their actions. And then also working with people like you, it's a knowing. And what combo is a heart medicine. 
it teaches us to to go into our hearts and it teaches us to be communal it teaches us to be responsible for our planet it teaches us to really it connects you to your body in such a deep way and the medical benefit is there it, all of the research has been done on the peptides, thanks to science. We know about the powerful combinations of the bioactive peptides. We also, it's been studied with plant medicines, ayahuasca, um, San Pedro, peyote. It's been um, studied with mushrooms. It's been studied with MDA th MDMA therapies. And combo is a way to like clear different aspects of your body and your, in your organs, in your gut, it, we know what it does for the opioid receptors with synthetic binders. We know that it does, you know, with the PC3 cells, there's so much that they can, you can talk about with all those peptides. Thank yeah. you for not like traditional science, modern science, and for that work that's been done. And so, you know, yeah, it's frustrating that we have to kind of talk about it in a certain way, but for now, I'm going to be patient with that. And yeah. there's anybody listening on this podcast or anybody listening to your work or, you know, reading about my work, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you'll know, like if combos for you, you'll know, it, yeah. it just speaks in a different way. And, and the amount of like going with the intention of love and then learning about psychedelics post and, and studying. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't, it's not like we, you pop out of the womb and someone goes, love yourself. <laughs> you know? ah, yeah. Yeah. Some people, you know, it's so interesting. My, I have a significant other and he has these beautiful little girls and all of, all of our children are awesome, but my significant other has one little girl and uh, that is very determined and she knows exactly what she wants and she knows who she is. And she is very clear on her boundaries. And that wasn't taught to her. He'll tell you like, that's just her personality and that's who she is. And so there are unique individuals like yeah. that. I, my, my little girl, my daughter and my son are two different, two different beings, but they came by way of me. And so I believe, you know, that there is a spiritual aspect yeah. to who we are and, and the life that we are meant to live or, and, and as a creator and dialed in to, you know, consciousness. And there is, I know, I know this to be true that everything that is occurring in my life is mine. My filters, I have filters that I view things through. There's a filter in how I see a client. There's a filter in what I'm hearing. There's a, my five sensories, auditory, digital, taste, touch, sight, sound, smell, all of that are on a sense, a, a, an Autobahn highway. I'm processing, you know, science, we know this. We process 11.7 yeah. billion bits of information every second that yeah. we can only take in about 200 of that, that we delete, distort, categorize, or generalize information. And we do it through the lens that we view life and from our experiences. Yeah. So, and I that's our that, body protecting us. All of those yes. filters have been built in mm -hmm. actually to take care of us and to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And so to not also demonize that mechanism, one, good luck escaping it because it's not how that right. works. But two is to not not demonize it either and to recognize, you know, like one of the places that I'm really noticing for myself is stepping into, like, if I could call it, I don't even know, we don't even have the language for this. I'm like, but, but my current workbook pages in my life right now yeah. is where I can get more in the flow of life and not mm -hmm. against it, but that doesn't make me a fatalist where I'm also helpless, where I can't do anything about it. It's not like getting yeah. swallowed up by it, but it's like, where am I fighting the current versus where am I on the current and surfing with the direction of it and have Yay. been exploring those conversations. And it's the same thing of like, but part of, for me is recognizing 
starting with the awareness that I have the filter and that even if the filter's firing, if I can see it as a filter, it gives me a chance to make potentially another choice if that's in my best interest and the best interest, the highest and best good of that person and my myself or whatever the circumstances. And I also think too, what you're basically saying is with the research that you've done and, and with talking to me about my work and then just, you know, understanding from really strong backgrounds, because these two things, these two worlds with psychedelics and conventional medicine and, and therapeutic back, ther- psychiatric and th- therapeutic and, you know, mental well-being, all of these things are, are starting to come back into merging and there's going to yeah. be new opportunities and new ways of looking at it within, you know, specific types of foundations that support research and support sustainability and support safety yeah. and, and like public health. And I, and I totally believe in that because I mean, we all know, like, there's people who are like, oh, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I did mushrooms and I had this crazy journey. I'll never do that again. Well, all right. You were with your friends out in the middle of nowhere, just popped in. It had no intention. And you're just like, with no guide or a guide of another teenager, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, don't even know what, what you're doing. And then, you know, playing with it and you, you hadn't monitored your nutrition, hydration, or sleep, or there was no foundation no of preparation and no integration. Yeah. yeah, nothing. So it's like, of course they made these illegal. <laughs> of course things were, you know, and now, and now with, you know, our, our level and the consciousness and awareness is shifting and technology is and a beautiful thing, but we can be in two different places and I can actually see you on yeah. this computer screen. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of psychedelic. Technology is psychedelic. In our <laughs> lifetime, which, you know, all 40 some odd years, it's so funny. Somebody recently was like, well, we used to do this thing. And I actually looked it up in a tele- in a um, phone book. Do you even know? Did you have, I'm like, I'm not that like young. I'm like, yes, we had yeah, phone yeah. books, but like it kind of brought up that whole world of, it really did seem like science fiction that we would always only be on video calls. And I remember once video calls started to become popular, I even had this thought like, God, but I don't ever want to like only ever be on video calls. But since the pandemic, I swear to God, now that's the default. Like almost everyone will more automatically call me on a video call than they will on a regular just voice call. Mm -hmm. And that happened just this last year. And if you told me that when I was 15 years old, it it really did seem like Like science fiction. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, we can literally go, we can literally go to a cupcake machine and get a cupcake. We can literally get our coffee done a certain way. There's machines that put, you know, and 3D printers and wait until the 3D printers actually have food source molecules in it. And we're printing dinner instead of making dinner. I know and pressure cookers. I mean, yeah. there's like all the different things. And so I, I remind people when, you know, and be open to that conversation yeah. because there's a lot of, a lot of work and foundation that needed to come into play to support. There's also what, and getting back to the indigenous, when you said more about that with the sustainability, I truly believe that there's so much more to come. I mean, this is like, if you were in the Amazon and you didn't have access to an antibiotic, what would you do? Well, I mean, like, if you're surrounded by plants and by nature, and that's how you choose to live, there's everything that there is. We have tons of, tons of resources on this planet to survive. Yeah. And so this is, Kampo's really taught me about living a more sustainable life in terms of how, how much material aspects do I need? Like, do I get my nails done? Sure. It's a guilty pleasure. Do I wear makeup sometimes for the podcast? 
do I have my hippie? You know, I literally have like probably the same five pairs of pants and a few t-shirts and flip flops. And I, I'm not carrying around a Louis Vuitton purse or Kim yeah. Kardashian in my life, but you know, not that there's anything wrong with Kim Kardashian. To each each one's path is their own. Yeah. Yes. But I, I have, I found a passion. I, I like, I started gardening. I started growing food. I started community gardens. I started working in like hunger. I started working with more children. I learned about like the migration of like the monarch butterfly, which I knew I probably learned in fifth grade, but I learned about our planet. And so I'm able, I'm more passionate about, I'm not as concerned about having the latest fashion. I'm more of like a salt of the earth person. And I wasn't really headed on that kind of a path. I lived in you know, I lived in San Francisco. I wasn't working for a fashion, like yeah. a fashion line. I, then I moved back to, I grew up in Las Vegas. I, I was like kind of in the ritzy, you know, I was a cocktail waitress. I was a waitress in a fine dining. I ran, you know, I did certain things for hotels, you know, VIP stuff. I mean, I was in entertainment and food and beverage. So my life wasn't like, Hey, go to the Amazon. <laughs> uh, literally like right. couldn't wear any makeup it would melt off your face none of this is applicable and survive you know so I yeah. literally got I literally my paradigm went from this to this and wow. I was caught up in the looking good and and like you know having it having life a certain way and feeling like I needed a certain amount of money and that I was you know how am I going to make it and now I know that that there isn't anything that isn't attainable to me that I can't that I am a creator that I have a frequency I have a level of consciousness that's interconnected there is nothing separating me from anyone else and not about this color of their skin their preferences on who they choose to love religion cultural differences I I just know that that is all me I'm I'm the creator of all that I see and when I see judgment come into play I sit with it and I find it to be interesting and I look at it and combo has taught me all of these things so not only has combo helped me with like strengthening my immune system not only has it helped me to clear parasites not only has it helped me with you know my depression that I dealt with with the level of anxiety that I dealt with it's also connected me to so many amazing individuals Mm -hmm. who are loving and kind and there's this like connection that you have like if you see somebody with combo burns or combo marks right on their skin you you just know and there's like oh hey you did combo and there's an instant connection there's an instant friendship where did you have your session who did you do it with yeah there's so many different ways to work with it and there's a knowing and then if you've done psychedelics if you've worked in different processes with psychedelics could be from other educational processes or things that you. i mean it's it's that's part of what i think we've been craving and we are working on getting to, I don't know if it even is getting back to, cause it's not the same as it was, but intimacy and heart to heart connection and yeah, who we love. are as collective beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, probably could have said this at the beginning, but I didn't think of it, which is like the reason why I have you here to talk about combo isn't because I'm some big proponent that everybody needs to do combo. We even talked about that. It yeah. isn't for everyone. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's not even that any, I mean, maybe somebody might listen to this podcast and go, wow, that is calling to me. I want to learn more. Great. Mm-hmm. That's not even why I have you here either. I have you here because I think it's matters that we just keep having these different conversations, discovering mm-hmm. all these different options and all these different paths. And it's interesting because 
you know, in the same season, I sat down with a gynecological oncologist who's a surgeon and her number one stand for women's health is the HPV vaccine to prevent ovarian and fallopian tube cancer, which isn't even in alignment with my belief system, but I know enough to check out my belief system versus science and statistics and that each person's on their own path. And I'm not going to not stand for female empowerment, men's empowerment, us to know what our options are anything that can be a potential influencer to prevent disease or to head disease off the past or to create our next growth opportunity. So here I am like one podcast with talking about HPV vaccines and the next podcast talking about Amazonian, you know, opportunities for healing. And so it's like, that's what matters to me about it is all these different voices and sharing our stories. And then wherever it awakens something in someone and gives them resonance or gives them peace of mind or gives them the way to like have some forgiveness for another person or open their eyes to something that maybe they're had a little judgment against someone in their life or their, mm-hmm. you know, their young hippie kids are off doing these things and they're worried about that. And that maybe some peace yeah. of mind and some <laughs> knowledge can come in, whatever that is, you know? Yeah. So, God. And, and, and also too, I want to be clear, like there are, my stand is not to judge other facilitators, but yeah. combo can be deadly. And it can be used in a way that is not beneficial and it can hurt people if it's not used in a proper way. So one of the things that I laid and, and so, you, you know, I do get a lot of people calling me like, oh my gosh, I had this session, da, 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 this person's doing this, this person's doing that. And one of the things that came to me just in consciousness and awareness and judgment is like what Susie says about Sally speaks more about Susie than Sally. Yeah. And that came to me in a meditation. And I'm like, what is that? I'm literally <laughs> trying to like transcend into the white, you know, and I'm like, Susie yeah. and Sally. And I, you know, I grew up in, in a, in a space of good, bad, right, and wrong. And in a, a, a religious paradigm, a very deep religious paradigm. And so I, I really, I was, you know, not my parents didn't teach this, but in the religion, it was taught that certain things are acceptable and certain things aren't. Mm-hmm. And so then you go out into the world and then you're like, oh, I mean, there are other people that exist with different cultures and different beliefs. And those people experience things and they're judged based off of that. And you look at it and you're like, okay, people have different perspectives. So I, you know, I, a lot of times I'll deal with this whole, like, in, especially here in Utah, oh, this person did this and it's so not right in their practice that they're doing yeah. this or doing that. And I just thought, well, you know, okay, well, where it's my goal. I, at the beginning, I was a lot like that. Like, that's dangerous. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, should, shooting on everybody. Yep. And then over time, I, as I did more of my personal work, as I educated myself more in the practice, as I did personal work and worked with coaches and did seminars and read more books. And I was like, wow, you know, I have a lot to learn. And so there are p- good practitioners out there And there are some that are just misinformed that, so we create alliances with each other. And the way that we talk about the work is not to shame somebody for what they're, they're doing, but to just continue to educate. So my purpose isn't to like really pick apart, but there are safety measures. There are foundations, there are boundaries. So you should really look at someone's training and their experience. And then also you should come in with your own perspectives on your own boundaries of what works and doesn't work. So Again, going back to who's my client, there's someone who's aware and understands they're not perfectly healthy, but, but they're willing to like do the work and do the research. And then 
also in the work, we don't point fingers at each other. We are here to elevate and we're here to align and we're here so to continue ed- educating. So, you know, we have Combo Alliance. I mentor, I give a lot of information. If, in, if there's any Combo practitioners out there who are still unsure about certain things with their practice, I've been yep. working for a long time. So, you know, kind of wild westing it here to Utah. I was the first practitioner here in Utah. I was the first, I was a member of the IKP for three years. I was the first IKP Utah practitioner, one of the first 20 that was ever certified and credentialed and trained in the, in the U.S. I was the first training for the U.S. And then yeah. I continued to move on from that organization, which I love dearly. They're great, a great organization for me to have started in, but didn't sustain me in my purpose and passion and what I wanted to do. So yeah. then in teaching combo, I, one of the main things that, you know, you can teach combo to a monkey, you can teach how to do it to a monkey pretty much maybe, but like there are aspects of like personal boundaries, self-awareness, how you work with people, how you listen, how you organize yourself, yeah. how you cleanliness. I was an esthetician for 15 years. So I understand, I was, you know, a licensed esthetician. So yeah, I understand like good, hygiene good and, yeah. and, and passing on bacteria and how to work with the skin. And so you want to look for a practitioner that can support, you know, your belief systems and, and your values and what matters to you. Cause there That's is awesome. a way to do this on the side of a river in a jungle with the shamans whose hands are dirty and the frogs right there. And he just takes the thing right out of his mouth and burns you or there's a way to do it (laughs) you know like I did it very rough and and like I mean it didn't seem sanitary to me at all but that's how they did it I did it on the side of a river and 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 dug a hole for my my purge and my bowels and then managed my own well-being or there's another way to do it a little bit like we don't do that here and here so there's a kind of a hippie way and then there's more of a refined practice way you know and and we you have know, to honor and respect our own cultures. Everybody. I mean, yeah, that's the thing so, too, is like, we talk a lot about respecting the authenticity of the indigenous way, which matters. And I'm not indigenous. So right. I don't have the life of living in that culture and the awarenesses that came from that. And I also don't have the genetic lineage that comes through me there either. So there's a place where we also have to respect our own cultures, which I think sometimes that's some of what happens in some of the communities I see in the United States mm-hmm. around many different types of movements towards like we see these things in another culture and we kind of put them on a pedestal and we say oh my god I want to be like that and I want to do that but we haven't been through all the rites of passage and we haven't been through all of the experiences right. that that actually prepare you to be safe and to exactly. guide yourself in that same way so even though, you know, I'm a bit of like, yeah, sure. Stick my nose in the dirt and I don't mind about microbes and whatever, but I have to respect my own culture that I've come from and that yeah. what actually needs to happen for me, because that isn't where I was raised. And yeah, anyways. And it continues to amaze me too with combo and with psychedelics. And, you know, I have traveled to South America many times to work with various lineage and various different types of ways that they brew and use charcuna or charapanga or different types of the DMT aspects with ayahuasca. I worked with ayahuasca vine straight, which is not illegal. Um, mm-hmm. It there in ayahuasca is legal in with the Santo Daime here in the United States. Yeah. So there's a church of ayahuasca. San Pedro is legal through the Native American church. You know, mushrooms are, are legal with the MAPS organization. So we, we've done uh, just like technology, just like you have your iPhone 3, and then your iPhone 5, 4, 5, 6, yep. da, da, da. we're continuing to upgrade our, our awareness. And, and as things become a little bit more, the technology 
and the research is further developed, things will be legalized in a way that is sustainable for people to do that type of work. And, and, you know, when, when I, when I went to the Amazon to study and work with ayahuasca, it was almost like, and this goes back to the technology. There was a woman who was there and she was a Westerner from Ithaca and she, you know, learned Spanish and she was there helping at the Institute. And I was just like, who's this white woman? You know, just completely, she seemed like if, if the, if there was, if the lights were out, I would think she was fully like Peruvian or Chipotle, yeah. you know? And so it was just so interesting to me, you know, that she's this white woman from Ithaca and decided that she did ayahuasca and she ran to Peru and wanted to make that her life's work. And so I'm sitting there and thank heavens for her translations for every single word translating for the shaman. And, and she had explained to me like ayahuasca is like a computer and it needs its upgrades and it needs its McAfee and it needs the control alt delete for the programs or to be able to put those viruses over here in a vault where you can manage those and work with those. And so I, when she explained it as a, as a conscious upgrade, as a leveling up and clearing the mind and clearing the filters and clearing all of the ding, 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 ding. I mean, it it made sense to me. And Mm -hmm. like a year ago, I went and worked with a woman named Donna Christina in Haiyan and this, you know, she's a very well-known healer in, in, in Haiyan. And it was, it, it was a journey I'd been waiting for, for quite some time. She's a teacher of the work. And I went to not to work with some combo there with her permission, which was an honor. And then also to experience working with a a life coach who does integration work for people and actually takes them there and and gives the full immersion experience and spending time there for a couple of weeks and seeing the lifestyle and seeing the work that has, has been done there is, is profound I came home and we were in lockdown, like within a couple of weeks, people were, you know, so I went from like being launched into the spiritual realms and leveling my life and, and just kind of clearing, like, it, and I'll liken it to this. You drive your car and your car will autocorrect. It will ding, 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 da, 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 you know, the dog, the bell rings with uh, salivating comes get the, I mean, this is what we are, we're conditioned with. I feel like a cyborg with this. We might have the Apple watch. We've got the phone, you know? Yeah. And we don't realize that, that, that we don't, we were born with these things. It's not a natural human state. Uh, No. So then I'm in, I'm out there in high end and there's no phone signal, none. And so your cell phone's off. Right. And then you're just forced to go within and they call it. And the woman that I was working with, she's really well known here in Utah. She's an amazing person. She's like, this is called a retreat retreat from, and I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, it's not a place to take pictures and help, you know, and market myself. And I'm like, Oh, I even need to get checked here. And so being out there and, and seeing the work and, 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 and taking that perspective of like this is an upgrade this is like my McAfee yeah. of my operating system alkalining my gut yeah changing my diet doing hikes in nature connecting with another culture and seeing yeah. the growth and seeing the way people live and the way the, the women collaborate with each other and are kind and communal and how the men are kind and and just the community was just lit up and people were so excited, you know, with the growth and the opportunity out there and, and how hard they work, like backbreaking work. 
that they work just to put food on the table. Yeah. You just feel so grateful or almost a little bit humble. Well, definitely humbled, but almost like checked, you know, put in check for the way you live your life. So I don't believe necessarily when people think about psychedelics, it's a, it's, it's not in combo and in relation to all this work. It's, it's not about whether it's legal or not. There is a platform that we have to like respect and honor and, and for where we're at right now, but we can hold a spiritual current for that, those wisdoms to unite and be a part of like the voice and, and talk about it sustainably and responsibly and with reverence and also with clarity and with purpose. And I feel like the number one message, you know, when you said it, you said it, it was just like love. Yeah. And learning to love and be more compassionate to myself. And then I can be an example to others. I don't need to be in other people's business. I don't need to judge. It's not about judging other people or being yeah. concerned about what's happening over there. Yeah. It's what's One happening the, right here. Yeah. yeah what's happening yeah. right here. When people yeah. come to me and they, they have to do their bowels in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> there's a sign that says, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. It's like the first thing they see when they're yeah. sitting on my toilet. Yeah. So awesome. Oh my gosh, Jules. Can I be you when I grow up? That's what I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's so awesome. It's so you just are a wealth of knowledge and divinity and energy and love and spirit and just how you even speak. I knew you were the perfect person to have this conversation with because of just how much reverence and honor and responsibility you bring to this conversation and it's really important and the work that you're doing is so powerful and however it continues to unfold in your life and I know you've got other things that you're up to and learning about and expanding your own consciousness and your own work and so grateful to have you as a a sister on this journey so thank you for sharing here on the podcast is so important it's awesome Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. And then thank you for just being willing to listen. It's just such, it is a very big conversation. It keeps going on and on and on. We need Um, like four hours at least. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And my hope and my hope is just that any, anybody working, anybody that hears the call on both sides of it, you know, whether you're facilitating it, whether you're personally practicing with it on your own, whether you actually practice and facilitate some of the things I'm creating with, with this and it's changing the dynamics and I know that you understand this from the ontological perspectives that we are all practitioners of combo. If we're, if we're, if we're, if, if we are working with combo, we are practicing the art of combo for ourselves. The only place we can speak from is our own position. It teaches like responsibility for your own well-being, which is really neat. And in terms of that is we're all facilitators to, to one another. And so it's, it, I can't do my work without partnership from you, yep. without partnership from the indigenous, without other colleagues partnering with me. My clients are my partners and together we create a unique experience and on the four bodies of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Yeah. So with, with boundaries of safety, responsibility, connectedness, and trust, and I'm here, you know, to ask questions or continue to support and I love that you do this podcast thank you because like people listen to doctors (laughs) (laughs) people listen yeah Yeah. absolutely yep until we get to do it again yeah thank you so very much
Interested in supporting the production of Heal directly? We are looking for people interested in joining our team to expand our reach and build the Heal Academy platform. If you have expertise on online marketing, platform software, or podcast audience expansion, contact us directly on my website. Thank you to today's guest, Jules Broadhead, for her stand for integrity and love. For a full transcript and all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com backslash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. As always, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.